Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. (laughs) Welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Casanari King, finally getting the equipment to work with the help of Sam Vokey. (laughs) Welcome, Sam. Nice to be here, Laura. Thanks for inviting me. Gosh, we almost didn't record this morning. This this stuff's acting all crazy on me. Yep, a couple of uh, idiots are trying to figure out technology. <laughs> okay. We need some so, paintbrushes. Yeah, right, right. Forget this stuff. Um, you're from Hampton? Um, recently, yep. Recently. Yep, we moved up from Boston about seven years ago, I think. Oh, nice. Yep. Good. So, I have literally been trying to get a recording with you for what a year i know hit or miss this and that so i really appreciate you coming in on this pretty cold morning down here in portsmouth at the series gallery um tell us about your background when did art first present itself to you in your life pretty young uh but not in you know any i wasn't oil painting till much later in life but as a kid I was always doing ceramics or drawing or making things. Ah. Uh, I had a pretty good teacher and that she was very encouraging. When I was in junior high school, I grew up in England, so I was oh, in a nice. little school over there and Miss Caesar was very encouraging and I made a lot of ceramic stuff that she thought was good. And now, are your parents English? My Is mom's English. Okay. My dad's from Boston. Nice. So how old were you? when you came here? I was 13 when I came here. Wow, big change. Yep, big change. From an all-boys English boarding school. Oh, my. With uniforms <laughs> and getting caned on the butt when oh you're a bad gosh. boy. Oh, boy. Which uh, I had a lot of. Uh, <laughs> uh, being dropped in, I, I came before my family because my dad moved over here to work. Okay. So I was sort of at the right age to uh, leave there, and okay. I came over before my family and got dropped into boarding school wow. in Massachusetts. So it was suddenly, you know, rock and roll, girls, oh boy. drugs, oh no. all kinds of stuff, alcohol, you know, things that I hadn't wow. experienced. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy. And I, 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 I became one of the fringe members who was off doing crazy stuff for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't really fit in, you know. Right. Really know where it was. Well, everyone feels that way too, right? So I think a lot of artists do. Yeah. I think a lot of artists are sort of not mainstream, you know, yeah, yeah, and they—you have to be comfortable with yourself to be an artist. Absolutely. Because you spend so much time on your own. Yeah. That, um, you know, a lot of those kids I was hanging around with back then, uh, who weren't really fitting, and I was actually a pretty good athlete, so I, I was always on teams and yeah. had friends that way and such, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never was very mainstream or, you know, normal. Yeah. Certainly not preppy. Right. So what was the art scene like in high school? It was really good in that they had a great art program and woodworking and metalworking. But the drawing, which I did a lot of there, a lot of figure drawing. They had Mm -hmm. figure drawing in high school, which was very unusual, I think. Yeah, for sure. And way ahead of their time from live models. And... um, but it was all gesture drawing, you know, like quick right. poses. I don't think there was a pose more than 20 minutes. And most of them were, you warmed up with 30 seconds, five minutes, right. 10 minutes, and then, you know, 20 minutes was it. Huh. And uh, that's really not enough to figure right. out proportion or yeah. form or anything. So yeah. uh, I don't think I anything I was doing back then was saved over into what I do now. But, mm. uh, but was it? kind of giving you the idea this might be something I felt comfortable doing that and I I loved it and you know but not just that drawing Uh, I don't think I did any painting or very little painting in high school but a lot of wood and metal and such but I always did an art class and the same thing in college I did an art class every semester Mm -hmm. because you have go to to college for what did you English lit religion was my major Oh, and I did a studio art minor yeah oh cool 
And uh, but I always did art really just to, you know, have an easier exam load and fewer papers. <laughs> and uh, the truth and, comes out. Yep. And oh, uh, and I like the people who were in the art programs, and so. Yeah. Uh, but same thing in college. I never got any really great instruction. Yeah. Uh, it was all kind of all over the place. I mean, I had a, some some nice teachers who were serious in what they did, but. I mean, I can remember one teacher used to take us to uh, a Chinese restaurant every afternoon <coughs> after the lunch and before the dinner, oh. and we would he would set up a model in there, oh. and if there was all this crazy lighting, you know, fluorescent sure. colors, we'd take our pastels and do pastel drawings of, you know, models with green skin on one side and blue on the other. <laughs> That's kind of... So I did a whole series of those. It yeah. was pretty wild. Uh, wow. But... Very interesting for a teacher to. Yeah, he was me. off the wall. He was great. <laughs> so, uh, did you? Did, when did you get into painting with oil? I did some painting in college, but uh, after college, I wasn't sure why what I wanted to do. Right. And I painted by myself down on Cape Cod. Oh. I, uh, I had a couple of jobs in a restaurant and on a fish pier, mm -hmm. on loading boats, and uh, and painted when I could. <clears throat> and then my dad was worried that I was getting lost and, you know, was going to be, you know, some guy who didn't know how to make a living. So uh -oh. he had grown up in Boston with a guy called Robert Douglas Hunter. Uh -huh. And he knew him uh, from the neighborhood, but he also kind of knew about his career arc. Okay. And uh, he was a guy who had made a good living as an artist. Mm -hmm. And so he suggested that I go talk to him. Yeah. Um, and so I did. So he wasn't like telling you don't be an artist. He nope. just was helping you do it in a way. That he was just making uh, what turned out to be a very important connection. Sure. He didn't really know Bob that well, but he had grown up in, I think they were in West Roxbury. And, uh, and he knew, in fact, they ended up being in a club together, mm -hmm. like a business club in Boston. And uh, anyway, so I went to see Bob and I had been working on just landscapes Okay. Uh, maybe a few still lives back then. And were you painting outdoors then? Yeah. Really? But I thought pa paintings outdoors were done in one shot, basically. Okay, yeah. So, because yeah. I was into Constable and uh, Eugene Boudin okay. and these uh, pre-impressionist guys. Okay. And I just looked at their paintings and I thought, wow, these guys just do it all in one go. So I basically painted everything in one go, <laughs> uh, which I sometimes do now. But um, anyway, I took probably 10 paintings to see Bob. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, you've got what it takes or, you know, you've yeah. got the passion or something. Yeah. And uh, he gave me a four-year scholarship <gasps> to a little school on Newbury Street, which wow. was the Ives Gamble School, which was run by students of Ives Gamble. Uh, wow. Gamble was dead by then. That was, Gamble died in 81. This was 89 or 90. Okay. And uh, so that was a real European atelier style education where for the first year you basically draw right. casts mm -hmm. and then you move into still lifes and then uh, heads, paint heads and then paint nudes. Wow. Nice. And the whole time I was doing landscapes on my own and then I also did a Saturday morning portrait class with uh, one of the teachers, Bob Cormier, mm -hmm. in the Fenway Studios. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was Saturday mornings we just draw heads in charcoal every Saturday morning, which is a great class. Wow. Sounds and good. I met my wife there, too, oh. which was very good. Oh, nice. Was added Actually, I didn't know she's an artist. Hannah? Yeah, she's good. Hannah, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. She's doing some good stuff right now. Nice. Yep. Wonderful. So tell us what happened. How'd it go? So, uh, you know, for four years, I struggled away trying to learn how to see. And yeah. the, the Bo this was the Boston School. I don't know if you know much about what that is, but... Only what I've read. I yep. have not, you know. It's a synthesis, really, of the European French academic mm -hmm. style of painting mm -hmm. um, with Impressionism. So the Boston school guys uh, were going, the Boston painters at the turn of the century were going to Paris to study yeah. uh, in the Ecole des Beaux-Arts or the Academy and or, or with private teachers in their ateliers. And they were being exposed to Impressionism, which was happening at the time. Mm -hmm. So they brought Impressionism directly back mm -hmm. to Boston when they returned. Mm -hmm. 
And that synthesis became the Boston School. Okay. And it's really just a way of seeing. It's an impressionist way of seeing, mm. where you see everything in relation to everything else. And uh, and it's you know more highly keyed than some of the darker European, like Italian school. Sure. And um, an impressionist color. Nice. So uh, that's what I was learning. And, um, you know, I'm still learning. <laughs> well, you've clearly thrived in it because you have the longest list of accolades on your website. So tell us, you know, how did it all unfold for you after school? Uh, well, during that four years, uh, that was we were in a great location because we were above the Guild of Boston Artists on Newberry Street. Mm -hmm. And there were two floors of studios for the Gamble School and only five students at a time. Wow. And the way it worked was the teacher would come in and give you a project or give you a critique and then go away for a week. Right. So you were pretty much on your own learning how to figure it out. Right. But he would come in and guide you no more than once a week, really. Mm -hmm. Um and then the, there were galleries all up and down the street, of course, and the Copley Society was next door, and I had a job there hanging shows and doing carpentry and stuff. Hmm. And, uh, and then I applied and was accepted as a, you know, on the lowest rung. Yeah. And so I got to start showing on Newberry Street, and then they have a, sort of an accreditation program there where you win awards, and when you win awards, you move up from a yeah, Copley artist to a Copley something to a Copley master. And uh, so I sort of worked my way up that way, won a few awards. Nice. Uh, got into some galleries. There's a lot of... Now, how did you get into the galleries? Was it because you had won these awards and you had recognition? They came to you or did you go uh, to them? I had my eye on a couple of galleries. Um, and my favorite at the time was Tree's Place down in Cape Cod because that's mm -hmm. where my folks lived and I had known a lot of artists who were in Tree's Place. Oh. And uh, it was a good gallery. And back then, before 2008, you know, the financial yeah. mess uh, that happened, right. uh, it was pretty much the juggernaut of, of galleries in New England. It was mm. the best, best gallery. Yeah. And I wanted to be in it. And I took my work to show Julian Baird, who was the uh, proprietor at the time, and he really didn't want to take me on. He had plenty of artists, and so uh, I wasn't really going to take no for an answer. So <laughs> I uh -oh. actually uh, I was invited by Joe McGurl to be in a group show. Oh, nice! Uh, he got to ask a few friends, wow. and so I was in a group show. I got to show, show a couple of paintings. And I think one sold. Okay. So. Um, was that maybe your first one that sold? Uh, no, because I'd had a one-man show in Chatham at the Creative Arts Center before okay. that. About okay. 20 paintings, I'd sold a bunch. Nice. They were you know, a few hundred bucks each. Yeah. This was a real gallery. And, uh, um, and then still Julian didn't really invite me to be in the gallery even after that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I did a bunch of new work. And I took about six paintings and I put them in front of the door because I'd been trying to get an appointment with him and he kept saying no. In front of the door, like outside? Outside the gallery. <laughs> so when he came in? So he had to look at them. <laughs> so oh, you didn't he, uh, he, he showed up and, and <laughs> said, all right, creative. come in, bring him in. So we looked at him and, and then he had finally let me in. <laughs> and so from there on, that was, I did started doing great there. Wow, and, uh, that's exciting. Um, you know, as I say, it was a really commercially successful gallery. Mm -hmm. It was very competitive and, you know, his openings were unbelievable and there were sellout shows. And, right. um, so that was gangbusters for, for a few years. Yeah. And then uh, 2008 happened and it kind of dried up and yeah. actually he sold the gallery and he got sick and he actually died. But mm -hmm. um, I'm still in it and, you know, Things are different on the Cape. There's not so many housing starts, not so many buyers for artwork and such, but yeah. it's still a decent gallery. Good. Yep. And I joined a few others. I joined the Guild of Boston Artists, okay. uh, which was an honor. You have to kind of be asked. Right. Um, and that's and how did you great. be asked? Did you go put your paint? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> nope. Uh, a couple of my teachers were involved, and uh, I was in the building, so I saw yeah. everybody all the time. That's and nice. and um that was 
you know, uh, as far as sort of artistic lineage goes, that was where I came from, mm -hmm. kind of. The, mm -hmm. the, the guys who started the museum school, Tarbell and Benson and a couple of others, yeah. um, were the sort of the, the originators of the Boston School, and they all started the Guild of Boston Artists. Mm -hmm. So it has a pretty great history of Boston School kind of paintings. It's sure. changed a little bit, and I think change is good, so sure. it's evolving nice. in its own way, and uh, uh, it's a bit more eclectic now. Okay. Yeah. And okay. I know there are a whole bunch of other galleries around New England, too, including yeah, Todd Benita and yeah, Portsmouth. Todd Benita. So you do have a show coming up there, possibly yep. May. But I think it's going to be in May. Of yep. 2020. So keep us posted yep. on that, and I'm sure you'll put it up on your website. Yep. Um, so tell us um, how your process has changed over the years. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, it's changed. Um, and I think it's, I, I mean, I want it to change more. I, I've yeah. got, yeah, I hope to evolve this way. this morning, so <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I brought in one painting. I know. Uh, and, Stunning. Uh, just for you to see, even though we can't see it on it's the podcast. Process. But yeah. What size is that? Uh, that's 32 by 36, I think. It's 36 beautiful. by 32. It's a vertical moonscape yeah. on the ocean. And it's down off Wallace Sands. In, uh, it's in near there, yeah, kind of. Uh, it's not really specifically Somewhere that spot. In that area. I did a little study down there, and then I turned that into a painting. And it's the moon in the studio. light on the ocean with that beautiful wave and rocks. Really stunning. So hopefully that'll show up at Todd Benitez soon. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I haven't quite finished it. It's, yeah. on, its on its way. Yeah. So what other galleries? You're in um, Todd's and one in Acton, Mouse? Yep, Powers Gallery, which Powers? is a great gallery. Okay. Uh, I've had a few one-man shows there over the years, quite a few, in fact. Done How well long there. have they been there? A long time. Well, actually, in that building, not that long. But uh, I grew up in Maynard, and I just have never heard of They were up the street in a little funny strip mall there uh, towards Littleton a, a little okay. bit. Um, okay. And then I guess Larry's father had a frame shop there, hmm. and then it kind of evolved into a gallery. Hmm. And now it's more of a gallery with a frame shop. And they bought a, uh, a beautiful colonial house uh, in Acton on so Great Road. i got to go back one of these days. Yeah, so yeah, now there's, a, there's a, a carriage house wing, which is a big gallery space. Oh. And then there's all these rooms, um, you know, the dining room. And the, they've got yeah. a nautical room. They've got a upstairs. as a kind of still life room at the moment. And, okay. Yeah, it's a great gallery. All right, sorry. We, we're jumping around. We went... We went process back process. to Process, so you want to go back to we process. We want to go back to process. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I learned, you know, to paint sort of like an impressionist, mm -hmm. not broken color necessarily impressionist like Monet, but an impressionist way of seeing, mm -hmm. which is um, the Boston School style. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if my paintings look like that or not really, but... Um, I painted a lot of still lifes over the years, mm -hmm. and um, and how long would one take? Like, say, uh, when you first work depends on how big it is and complicated. But sometimes mm -hmm. they take weeks and weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes there are three or four sessions. Okay, um, but I paint pretty directly. I for still lifes I paint side sides, so I have a still life setup, mm -hmm. and my canvas is next to that. I walk back, you know, about eight or ten feet. Okay and view it from back there and then walk up, look at it, remember it, walk up, paint it. Yeah. Walk back, check it. I do that all day. Yeah. And, so that's uh, something you've always done. Yes. That's what I learned in the Gamble School was right. the side size method. Right. And it really sounds like it would take longer, Yeah. but it's much quicker hmm. because uh, you can compare. And, yeah. and it's like having a teacher standing over your shoulder. Okay. I was trained that... Uh, Artists who are well-trained can pretty much make a good painting with any materials. Yeah, mud. I've yeah. seen it. Coffee grounds. Yeah, whatever it takes. <laughs> I had a friend once who did a painting with fruit. He, he attached fruit to oh, the canvas. Come on. And made an unbelievable painting. You wouldn't believe really? how good this was. Wow. He chopped up zucchini and did oh all kinds. Oh, my Unbelievable. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we all discover what works for us eventually so you've got to experiment yeah. uh, you know the younger painters or the, the people who are learning you should really try a lot of different stuff yeah um, but as more of an impressionist painter I like cadmium colors you know the brighter mm -hmm. colors 
Um, so I like a, a warm and a cool, pretty much of every color, red, yellow, and blue. Okay. And then ochre and viridian or chrome oxide green. Um, and then, you know, I just use brushes that uh, I've gotten used to over the years. I started out mostly using rounds, and now I use more filberts and flats. Okay. There's still a place for rounds, but I, I use a wider breadth of uh, brush style now. And, um, you know, a lot of people these days are using really nice brushes, really high-end brushes. Right. Like uh, the rosemary brushes from England, and I bought some of those. They're great. Uh, but I like S Simmons yep. or Simons, whatever it is. I use a lot of those, and I've started using palette knives a little bit. I'm really interested in making my surface more interesting. Okay. Um, but, you know, the goal of the painter, I, I've always thought, at least the paintings that I like the best, are the ones that look like they were just um, made effortless, effortlessly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they, they don't look like they were worked on. Worked and worked. For, you know, re overworked. They right. look like they were just kind of created out of thin air or, you know, just loose paint, juicy, fresh. Yeah, fresh strokes. Um, but usually those kind of paintings, there's a lot of work that went underneath them. Absolutely. I mean, Sargent's paintings looked like they were painted in one go. I know. But Amazing. some of those heads were painted, he, he took, you know, 12 or more times to paint the head, and each day he scraped it off so that there was the stain of what he had done that day, okay. and then he put a new layer on the next day, and, oh. you know, the, the hard work was hidden. Yeah. Um, and then he finally got it right in the last one, and that is the one that stayed. That stayed, gotcha. Um, but, you know, the goal is to make it look easy, even though it's really not. It's kind of like sports, you know. You you want, you know, the best surfers are the ones who look like they have great style, and it's coming easy to them, yeah. and they just they're just one there. with the wave. It looks oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, but it took a lot of work to get there. Absolutely. Surfing's really hard. Yeah, I uh, tried it once. You know, to take off on a wave me. and, you know, <laughs> ride it and cut back into it and, you know, do moves is, is takes time. Yeah. Same with skiing or even golf, you know, your, your swing, the, sw the, the golfers that look smooth and, and effortless are the guys who put in a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the same with art. You, you, you have to, you know, go to the studio every day and plunk away at it. and. Right. Uh, do you use that method of scraping off and coming back the next day? I do, do often. Do that? Yep. Okay. Uh, most of my still lives, I start them uh, and I scrape them off. And uh, Bob Hunter, who was one of my teachers, he used to use newspaper. He he would press newspapers. You know, yesterday's yeah. Boston Globe <laughs> down onto the surface of the of the painting while it was just after he painted it to get rid of all the edges and the bumps and the wow. brush strokes. And he would do that for the first couple of sessions, at least the first one. I think he did it a little bit more than that. So just smooth it out and pull it off. Yeah, and I've mm. tried it. I tried that, but uh, I prefer just to scrape off the thicker stuff that's in the way. Mm. Um, and you can palette knife it down too, mm -hmm. you know, edges that are too hard. Because mm -hmm. uh, edges are really what you leave to the last Thing. You kind of want to, or I was trained to bring the painting out of the mist, yeah. keep everything kind of soft and out of focus as long as you can, and then you put the sharper edges in, mostly on the last day or, or, or two or three. Wow. Um, Pop it out. So everybody's got their own techniques, um, mm -hmm. and you just kind of have to discover what's what works for you. And it's worth taking workshops from other people yeah, or watching other people. Demos from artists, you know, who know what they're doing. Oh, it's really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, live demos, not just the, the No, live demos. Are, are, yeah. I mean, they're valuable in their own right, but being there in person. Yeah. Watching, asking questions. And then every workshop you go to, you, you know, you kind of come away with a new list of materials, which is good if you try them, yep. you know. It's yep. a good way to explore. Try them all and then pick and choose what works for you. Eventually, you'll figure out your own style. I remember uh, one of my teachers was Bob Cormier in Boston. <clears throat> he came out to see me painting once. Yeah. Uh, so I was out painting uh, in the Fenway over by the MFA. And he came out and kind of worked on my painting. Oh. And I really got a demonstration in, in kind of broken color impressionism for the first time that, that particular day, wow. which was what I was kind of learning. Yeah. And he would just mix the paint on the palette, you know, looking out at nature, 
get it so it's the right color, right value, pick it up and put it on and kind of leave it on. Yeah. Wasn't smushing it around. Yeah, yeah. He was just putting it on, leaving it on, and picking up another one and putting another mark next to that so that there were kind of vibrating colors, you know, clean, fresh right. color. Right. And uh, came out looking kind of like a pointillist almost okay. style. Yeah. Which wasn't really his style, but he was showing me how to put it on clean and fresh. Gotcha. And I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And then another time, uh, I was in the Fenway Studios. I had a studio on the first floor to begin with. And Gary Hoffman, who was a great portrait painter in Boston and landscape painter, great painter, studied with Gamble also. He came down and worked on a portrait of mine from a model. I was actually painting my wife, Hannah. Okay. And he came down and, and did a little work on it and showed me you know, his approach. Okay. Uh, and it was, I've learned so much. And then I watched him paint a portrait up in his studio one time. And you can just, you know, everybody does things a little differently. Right. And, uh, you know, I was amazed that um, uh, another guy, uh, um, what's his name, uh, David Lowry, mm-hmm. he would put his hands on the painting quite a bit, you know. Like really? Sometimes people like are, painting. yeah, just smushing it with their fingers, Okay. you know, whatever it takes. <laughs> Make it behave. Push yeah, it be, right in, be right the right boss. Right. Yeah, you want to. <laughs> You want to be in charge of your materials and not the other way around, right? Well, how do you feel about, I mean, a lot of artists will pick up things like a pencil, a tool. And, I mean, I've, I've recently discovered this little, it's got a rubber tip on each end. One is, you know, very fine and one is long, elongated. And I, I can push the paint around with it. It's just so cool. I love it. So if I tone the canvas to a color underneath that I kind of want to come through here, oh, and yeah. there, I can manipulate things. Yeah. It's really cool. Do yeah, you ever yeah. just pick up? Whatever is handy. Have you explored with other things other than brushes? Um, I've started using the other end of my brush a bit, the handle, oh. to scrape into it. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Which is something Some Joe McGurl does, and he I've seen him do. Okay. Uh, or I heard him talk about it too. Oh. Um, and he does it in the water often to get, you know, like little ripples. And, ripples, sure. So if you've got a dry layer underneath and you're exposing that dry layer by scraping off the top right. layer, uh, you get kind of a cool effect. Yeah. Um, the impressionist method is more immediate, so you're just putting fresh paint on next to each other, you know. Uh, right. But whatever it takes, you know. I, I like a lot of the the, the artists from out west, um, the California impressionists. Yeah. Like Guy Rose and Payne, Edgar Payne, and and then some of the, the contemporary guys. They're all doing great stuff, and they're doing, they're creating... I mean, some of them are making paintings that have all this texture, yeah. you know, layers of texture. So you look at one square inch of, of the canvas, and that one square inch is, is interesting and like an abstract painting of like, yeah. you know, loose and dry and wet and kind of tactile <laughs> quality. It's all built up and interesting looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like that quite a lot. I like, a, I like paintings that look like a window into the world from far away. Right. And then when you walk up close to them, you kind of see how they were made. Yeah. You know, you see the process. Right. I find that most interesting. Cool. Yeah. And then with landscapes, I've been really doing a lot of studio landscape painting. Mm-hmm. And I like doing that a lot because I do a lot of studies outside. And then I bring those in and the Best ones are the ones that speak to me, you know, mm-hmm. that they need to go bigger. I blow them up and make them bigger. Mm-hmm. And in the process, try to improve on the design. Okay. Uh, it's hard to get a really well-designed painting in a quick plain era painting. Yeah. You know, outside, you're really just going for the light effect and the, you know, the color. Mm-hmm. But inside, you can... Try to lead the eye of the viewer into the painting, move move them around, kind of entertain them. And I'm trying to make things balance and, uh, you know, the balancing of lights and darks and uh, of form and shape. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to kind of see them. You can yeah. see them on my website, though, if you want. Yes, yes. <laughs> really nice website, by the way. Oh, thanks. And it's uh, samvokey.com. So... What else? What, what has changed? What's the biggest change, maybe, uh, in the way you used to paint too? 
I'm working more in a series, or I think of them as series. Oh, okay. uh, so right now, first time doing series. Uh, no, I've oh, been doing oh, them oh. for the last few years, <laughs> okay. but I've kind of evolved into that, thinking of my paintings in, 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 a, in a series. So I'm working on a series of uh, moonscapes, and that's one right there. Yeah. Working on a series of uh, very big sky paintings. So oh. they're almost square canvases. They're not quite, but they're like 44, 46, or 30, 32. Wow. And uh, three quarters of them are sky. And uh, I just, uh, I'm interested in making people see what I feel in in front of nature. Mm. Like I feel the awe of nature all the time. Right. And my studio is out on a marsh. Yeah. And uh, I'm a surf. Say, are these skies basically over They're the right outside my window. Or, yeah. <laughs> so I've been doing a series of these ah. big, big sky ones uh, on a marsh, on marshes, and then over the ocean too. I'm, I'm a surfer, so I'm in the ocean all the time, and I okay. see just... You know, mm. and I'm inspired by nature, which I, I'm, right. I'm, I'm in all the time. It is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, just, uh, it's hard to. Yep. Uh. So making that uh, come across in paintings is tough, but I'm doing this series with big skies to make you kind of feel small mm -hmm. and, you know, awed by it. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I've done a whole series of these big sky ones and I'm doing just started a series of moon, moonlit ones mm. and uh, so I keep going with that really cool yeah so tell me when did you actually touch a palette knife recently yeah yeah <laughs> that's how you made it sound before yep. we started. I never really understood how people could paint with palette knives for yeah. years yeah. until I was in those galleries recently like uh, last year and I saw a Frederick Waugh painting, and he's my favorite. He's mm. just the best seascape painter. Mm -hmm. And uh, Homer's pretty good, too. But yeah. <laughs> Frederick Waugh is my favorite. Right. And uh, I saw a painting there, a huge one. I think it was 40 by 50 or 50 by 60, maybe. And uh, it was all painted with a palette knife. Wow. And it was just so impressive. You know, rocks in the foreground with water washing through the rocks and then out into the ocean with beautiful light effect and an incredible sky. Yeah. And he had managed to control his paint application with a, oh, several palette knives, probably different shapes and flexibilities and such, mm. and s smears it on, scrapes it off, it rubs amazing. it out. You know, I mean, it was so beautiful. And I'm really trying to work on the, the tactile surface of my paintings. I'm trying to make them more interesting. Okay. And... Uh, you know, with layers. Yeah. And anyway, so that, some kind of light bulb went off when yeah. I saw that painting and I, I tried to do something similar and, you know, it wasn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> but so I've incorporated smearing paint around with a palette knife into my painting. So nice. in that one, the light, the moonlight in the distance, right. the middle distance yeah. is smeared on with a palette knife. Mm. And then I kind of try to scrape into it and mm. move it around a bit and try to get that. Yeah. It's, works really well with light because when you put when you brush paint onto a canvas all those little hairs kind of pick up the light and there's little tiny shadows you don't really see them but they make that little duller mm -hmm. when you put it on with a palette knife it's much brighter yeah so if you're ever trying to get a highlight actually i have used palette knives now that i think about it in still lifes trying to get a little bit of the highlight oh. in silver I've used a palette knife to get that smooth, bright paint. Interesting. Yeah. Very nice. So what's your wow factor? How do you know when something is done? Um, I walk into the studio every day, and I always, I was trained to work on the back straggler, the thing that is the least right. Hmm. So if you paint in this way, this is the way that Boston School sort of Impressionism works if you work on the thing that is the least right yeah and fix that then something else will look like it's the back straggler mm -hmm. and you work on that and the next thing will look okay. on, look like it's a back straggler Until you run them all off. and then one day you walk into the studio <laughs> and you can't figure out what the back straggler is yes. and okay. it's finished well, that's, a, I like that. that's the way i look at yeah it. great um i did have this other question what are the the most hopeful and disturbing changes both sides because you've seen the art scene 
for a long time. And yeah. what, what are the changes that you see that are maybe the most hopeful, progressive, and maybe those that are kind of disturbing and a deep sense of loss for anything that's changed over the, the years? Uh, you know, I think, I think the, the, the media, the, the, you know, the way people look at paintings now is all on little tiny screens and Instagram and Facebook and all this such. And I think, I think people are missing, you know, great paintings. And plus everybody's looking through their Instagram feed and seeing all these artists who are kind of mediocre and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or, or there are some good ones, but you're, you're not seeing how great their paintings are in life. So, uh, I teach workshops a couple of times a year, and I have a couple of private students in my studio okay. teaching how to draw. And I really encourage people to go to museums as much as you can, right. uh, at galleries, good galleries, mm-hmm. and see paintings in the life, you know, in the in the paint. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's you know, there's a lot of amateur painters out there who who really aren't exposed to very good art, right. and I think to get better. You need to look at really great paintings. Mm. Uh, you know, all my inspiration is, over the years has come from painters that are probably mostly dead, but yeah. you know, some some contemporary painters. But right. uh, as part of the program, the Gamble School, we were doing copies in the museum, oh, so yeah. we would actually go to the MFA and yeah. set up in front of the paintings and do copies. And uh, I copied a, a Rembrandt. I copied a Velasquez painting, wow. and I copied a, a, a Tarbo, sure. Reverie, which is a famous painting, beautiful painting, mm-hmm. of uh, a woman in profile with her chin on her hand on a chair and white dress, and mm-hmm. it's kind of a classic Boston school, you know, white dress kind of painting, but the abstract quality of that painting is amazing. So interesting, so much variety of edges, and actually, I had kind of a light bulb moment when I was painting that because the background is kind of a deep room, mm-hmm. and it kind of it dissolves into shapes and colors, kind of brown. And but there's a sort of an oriental screen in the background, mm-hmm. uh, like a space divider screen, you know. And uh, Tarbell had painted it all in beautifully, but you know out of focus so that the figure, the face, and the the foreground was the most important part. But he had painted all the beautiful, then he had had painted out a part of the screen that didn't look right, like it was no longer a screen. He had just painted over it, Mm. and he had done that to pick up on the back of her dress and her neck and her head to create this big diagonal uh, that was a structure for the painting. It was a very important part of the abstract structure of the painting and he had just done away with the actual reality because that was less important than the design Mm. and i thought whoa that is that's what it's all about right and And would you have discovered that if you without painting without uh, copying it no i would never would have wow but you can see it if you look at the painting you can see that uh the screen is kind of just painted over in a haphazard way yeah but it's not haphazard, it's to make the design stronger. Right. And, uh, you know, design, I think of design as the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Desi- there's all kinds of paintings from art history, you know, brown paintings, impressionist paintings, super realist paintings, super loose paintings. But the ones that are the greatest that survive, that we look back at all the time, mm-hmm. are the ones that are really well designed. Right. So I talk about design when I'm teaching, and I think about design when I'm painting all the time. And uh, that's always the most important thing for me. Yeah. Uh, So I want to get to your teaching in a second, but on the other side of that question, anything hopeful? (laughs) Social media is not it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well. uh, What's changed over the years that might be exciting and new? uh, uh, Well, I mean, I'm always hopeful all the time. There's, There's so much enthusiasm for uh paintings you know and there's a lot of artists out there well what about these workshops i mean would, they didn't really exist years ago right Not that's true there's a lot of workshops yeah. a lot of workshops a lot of uh, people want to be painters a lot of plain right. air kind of stuff is very popular these days right. 
Um, but as far as hopeful goes, um, you know, uh, I mean, they're messing up our planet. Everybody's messing up our planet. Yeah. Uh, and things are kind of grim that way. But there's a lot of people who are painting it before it's gone, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, I see more and more artists. Um, you know, we think of Chris Wilby doing things that are bringing so much awareness, you know. Yeah. To the problem. and That's true. And also solutions. You know, I, I love the little Great Bay show where they, yep. the proceeds go towards the bay. Yep, and I was a part of that, and I was really glad to be last year, and I will be in this upcoming year, yeah. I think, too. Me too. Care about, yeah. you know, the environment and mm -hmm. uh, as people who care about paintings, mm -hmm. too. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we need that. It's, uh, I mean, I make a living from selling paintings, so mm -hmm. it's, uh, you got to have, uh, you got to nurture people along that way. Yeah. So what is success for you as an artist? Uh, when I walk into my studio and I say, ah, you know, there's no back straggler. <laughs> <laughs> I love when it's, it. When it's finished, when, I, when, yeah. it, when it's working as far as uh, the balance of the design and the color and the form and everything working together, then uh, yeah. I feel like uh, I've had some small success. Yeah. Uh -huh. It does. It feels good to have that resolution, I guess, with some calming effect that comes over. You know, it's, it's, it's finished. Yeah, um, well, I mean, it's it's paintings mean a lot to me, and I I, I spend all day with them, you know, and um, they're something that uh, you kind of coax along slowly, and and when they work, you know, I, all my paintings aren't a success, mm -hmm. you know, I don't keep them all, I mm -hmm. paint over them or you know put them in the corner or facing the corner for a while. Go <laughs> <laughs> to the corner. Yep. <laughs> Bad painting, and, uh, yep, and hope they get better. <laughs> but you know, sometimes I pull them out after a year or two yep. and, and decide that I, I actually have something there and I can work on it. Yeah. Does or, it ever just clearly, after you know, a certain amount of time, you look at it and say, "Oh, it's this." Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that one of the hardest things for for an artist is to figure out what the back straggler is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially when you're learning, you know. Uh, you, you, it's really hard to discern what is the thing that is the least wrong because mm. there's so many things that there's could so be wrong. Many, yeah, when you're learning, it's so, so yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. So to be able to pick that up. But, uh, um, well, it's nice to have a show that does well. You know, I have a lot of shows and I'm in a lot of shows. Right. My last one-man show was at the Guild uh, mm. a couple of years ago, two years ago. Nice which was all, uh, I think it was all landscapes. Yep, it was. It was called... Uh, uh, water and light. Mm. So it was 30 paintings all to do with water and light. Wow. And uh, uh, it was the, the back room, the back gallery at the Guild is lit by daylight from above, these big skylights, mm -hmm. uh, windows. And uh, it's one of the best places to show. Yeah. So when you've got a show of 30 paintings hanging in there and, and uh, you know, they're beautifully lit and not too crowded, you know, um, it can be a great feeling yeah. uh, if you're if you're happy. I, when I see a show like that, I think I, I, I'm happy that I've got it behind me and, you know, I've had some success in some of the paintings, but I'm always thinking I could improve something mm. or get better. And that's one of the great things about shows, I think. Yeah. You know, to have success in art, you kind of have to treat it like a, a, a job, like any other. Mm -hmm. And you have to go to the studio every day and work. Yeah. And it's those, you know, miles of canvas that you're covering that uh, is going to bring you success. So when I've got students or I'm in workshops, you know, they all want to know how you get to be successful. And it's really just work, you know. It's not waiting for inspiration. Right, right. You really can't wait for inspiration. And, and you know, musicians talk about the same thing. I mean, I know a lot of rock and roll, or I've listened to interviews with lots of rock and rollers, and, mm -hmm. and uh, they're really often not waiting for inspiration. They're, you know, they're writing great songs because they're going to their writing room and they're working. Mm. And sometimes they have inspiration because they're there, but they're there to capture it. Sure. You know, and same thing in the studio. You kind of, you got to work through the bumps and, 
I think uh, the arc of a career doesn't go from the bottom left corner to the top right corner. <laughs> it kind of goes up and down and up and down. And hopefully every year you're going up a little bit. You know, the quality of your paintings are getting a little bit better every year. Right. That's really all we can ask for. You yeah. know, you just want to get better. Yeah. And um, uh, the, the pressure of having a show can sometimes help you get, you know, to the next level. Absolutely. Uh, but it's a slow process. And, and, you know, the artists who I think learn the most and keep getting better are the ones who learn to be more self-critical. Mm. You're not, you know, blown over by how great your last painting was. You right. kind of look at it like, okay, that was okay. But I could, I mean, I walk into galleries and I see my paintings on the wall and I'm, I'm always thinking, <laughs> oh, I could have done that better. Oh, man, yeah. You know, which yeah. which is a bit of a blight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I, I do get satisfaction in, you know, works that, in paintings that work well, but uh, I'm usually criticizing myself. And I know other artists are the same, same yeah. way. And uh, you always, I think it's, it's great to be able to think that you can always get better because you've always got a hopeful right. outlook on the world. You, you get up and you can't wait to get to the studio sure. because you can be better than yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah, that 1% thing. What can I do 1% better today? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really all that's it takes. Manageable. I can think 1%. I just read a great book and that was what he suggested, you know. Yeah. Because sometimes I look at my work, I think, oh, so far to go. Where do I even start? But when yeah. I go and I say, okay, 1%, where is it? Yeah. Yeah, well, get in there. trying to get some work done every day and mm -hmm. looking at great paintings, you know, in museums, not online. Because mm. you miss True. so much, you know, Absolutely. on a screen. Yeah. And uh, you don't get the... Like when you see a sergeant in the MFA from two rooms away, mm. it carries, you know, because he's got the values just right. Yeah. And then you walk up and you see the beautiful brush strokes and the, you know, the quality of the paint. Um, you miss kind of all that stuff on, online. Absolutely. Agree with that. So looking at great paintings helps you get better. Awesome. Yeah. And that's success for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's incremental. All right, so you, over to your workshops now. I did look on your website. They look very interesting. You do, um, are, are they all plein air, or do you do some in studio? Uh, since I've moved up here uh, to Hampton, I have a studio that's not as great as my Boston Fenway okay. Studios okay. studio. So I used to teach uh, still lifes there because oh. I had just a wall of light. It was great hmm. and plenty of room. Here, I've got plenty of room, but the lighting isn't as great, so I don't really teach still life workshops Okay. yet. Um, so what I was looking at was I a three-day landscape. Yep, workshop. I teach a couple of those and every year. Yet the student works on the same painting, uh, right? Yep, ideally, if the weather complies. <laughs> yeah, true. We, you know, in the morning, you can do a study or... So in the morning, you do one painting, in the afternoon, another. Oh, okay. And hopefully... One of those mornings or afternoons will will be similar to the next day. Yeah. The next day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've had some luck. The last last summer, the last uh, workshop was pretty good weather. Nice. Um, so uh, we do small studies and, uh, if possible, larger. You know, not huge, but paintings that we can carry through to another day. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Sounds great. And that information's on your website. Yep, uh, we don't have them scheduled for this summer yet, but they'll be up soon. Okay, great. So what is the greatest skill that you've acquired as a plein air painter? Um, you have to work fast. Mm. You have to really see it as it is, you know, the color and the values. Uh, I think that's really the the greatest thing is, is just the immediacy of it. Mm. Uh, the light changes, the weather can change, so you really got to nail it fast, and that's a very valuable skill to have. I, I find because I don't get out enough that it is very frustrating, and I feel like to get over that barrier, I need to do a lot of it in a row. <laughs> well, I would say that the, the toughest thing for people who don't paint every day mm -hmm. is that they're not good enough at drawing to be mm -hmm. able to put the blob of paint in the right place first fast, time around. Fast enough, yeah. So 
there's so many plein air workshops all over the country now, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably the biggest problem, the, just the work I see on line and such. People just can't really draw that well. Right, right. But I if, that if you know how to draw, right. uh, you know, pretty well, then plein air painting is a lot easier because you're really just going out and trying to nail the very immediately, trying to mix up the paint quickly on the fly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't use any, um, you know, pre-mixing. I mean, I know a lot of people do. They have uh, um, palettes that are uh, reduced color palettes or, um, you know, color wheels that they use and yeah. specific mixing up color in advance. Oh, you yeah. can't do that really in impressionism. You have to mix the color as you see it, yeah. as you go. Right. So, um it's just a question of putting, you know, the right color of the right value, hmm. uh, the right blob of the right color and value in the right place. Right. And if you know how to draw, it's a lot easier. Sure. If you don't, then it's a bit of a struggle. Yeah. So, so in workshops, reckon- I find myself really helping people, you know, get the drawing down quickly so, so that you, they can get they the color. put something the- on with pencil or with paint? Um, I encourage people just to just draw it in with a, Bit of uh, thinned turpentine, just just a quick shapes and blobs. Yeah. You don't want to okay. really get into any detail. Okay, right. You're trying to draw it out of a mist. Yeah, and it's really the quickest and easiest way to paint if you if you can master it. Yeah, it's very good for plein air painting. This this uh, impressionist uh, you know Boston school kind of style. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, um, moving on here. So give us your best um, best or worst plein story what have you got well we've all got the bad ones where you know we get rained out or the wind blows your easel yeah. over and it's always faced out uh, of course uh and actually i had just finished a painting on the beach one time and i was packing up my easel and i put my french easel down with a painting you know in its cradle yeah and i went to pick up my bag or my palette or something and the uh, wind blew its face down face down so just caked with sand. Oh. It was it was a write off. Couldn't couldn't wow. couldn't you know couldn't fix it. <laughs> couldn't save it. Yeah. Uh, but I have some fun stories too. Where once I was uh, painting in the public garden. This is many years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I had a studio. In Boston. In, yep, in Boston. Yeah. And uh, I was painting a snow painting outside in the public garden. And I was cold and I was oh, yeah. concentrating. <laughs> and I, you know, you often get people kind of crowding around you, but not usually on a really cold day. But yeah. I felt this person standing behind me and I turned around and it was a, a waiter a from waiter. the from the Ritz Carlton <laughs> with a silver tray and he had white oh. gloves on. Oh my god. And he had a steaming hot coffee and a sandwich for me. What? And I was like, Wow, what, where'd you going? come from? He said, Am I dreaming? He said, Your friend Jack Doherty is sitting in the window of the Ritz. He saw you out here painting and wanted to send you a hot lunch. How about that? Unbelievable. (laughs) It was great. And Jack was, uh, I worked for him as a driver for his company for a few years. And he bought a lot of my paintings when I was first started out. I think he had like 30 paintings of mine. Wow. Great guy. He had a, a medical components company in Boston who, and so I drove around uh, delivering knees and hips, you know, metal knees <laughs> okay. and hips, parts, yeah, and, sure. and the tools that the surgeons used wow. to all the emergency rooms in the hospitals around Boston wow. and, and picked up, picked them up. <laughs> but a great job. Yeah, get right. to drive around, you know. Know the city. You get find to know all Boston. the best painting spots. Yep. Got any other stories? Um, oh, I know what it was. Yeah. It was, I was painting on the Southeast Expressway oh, when you're at Milton. Uh, going out of Boston, Milton is like one of the towns after yeah. Dorchester. Okay, yeah. And there's a beautiful big tile marsh. <laughs> and I had been dating Hannah, I think. So I was driving out to Milton, which is where she grew up. Yeah. And this, I'd seen this marsh for, you know, weeks. And I, there was a great sort of layaway. So you could pull off the side of the road and, and park there. Okay. So I did that and I started painting. And, you know, I was actually working on a pretty good sized picture. And it was beautiful. It was just the marsh and all of the uh, reeds and a little bit of sort of fa- faded hill, hills in the background, mm. hazy. And uh, so I'm painting away, and I, I hear the traffic behind me kind of building up. And then this guy yells out at me, hey, you're the cause of the traffic jam. You're on the radio. They're talking about you. <laughs> 
Oh no. So I had become a curiosity factor. Yeah. Of and course. you know how people are rubbernecking and you yeah. know whatever. Who, know, you, who knows? Did why you get people. on the evening news? Did you see? I wasn't on the evening news, but I was on the you know whatever radio oh, station radio that guy was listening to. Oh, funny. <laughs> yeah. We have a backup. Yeah. <laughs> Artist at work. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Was there ever a time you wanted to quit, and if so, why? Never wanted to quit. Uh, you know, wished it was easier sometimes. It's uh, sometimes mm -hmm. a struggle financially and all that, you know, to sure. not have a real job. Sure. A uh, real job. Luckily, my wife, when we were in Boston, had a real job for a while. We, we met in art school, uh, and she went through the, the uh, program that I did, and then she went and studied with Paul Ingbertson, too, for a few years. Oh, okay. Uh, but then she got a real job because we were a young, young married couple. And uh, she was really good at building websites and such. So she worked oh. for a couple of technology companies in Cambridge. And so we had health insurance for years, which mm -hmm. was great. Mm -hmm. But uh, now we pay for health insurance for ourselves. And that, that's tough. I mean, it it's yeah. it just keeps going up and up and up. And, uh, sure um, does. So that's a struggle. But I've never wanted to quit painting. I've yeah. always made it work somehow. Yeah. Uh, not an option. No, not an option. So what brought you guys up to New Hampshire? Surfing. <laughs> oh, we had lived in Boston and driven up here to surf for uh -huh. years. Yeah. And, and what beach uh, would you always go to? Hampton or? Uh, the Wall or Janice Beach or, you know, one of the points. Wow. And um, uh, sometimes you drive up an hour and you get skunked, you know. Yeah. You can't always tell on the on the surf cam or with the weather reports and such. So, right. Um, now they must have we decided apps or we would. We have apps, but they're not. As, you know, they're not always accurate either. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so sometimes you don't. You don't score. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we decided we'd do it the other way around, live here and go to Boston <laughs> when we had to. Sure. So uh, we moved up here, nice. and uh, this way, uh, you know, I'm, my studio is six minutes from the beach. Nice. And uh, if there's surf, we we go surfing. Awesome. And if there isn't, we paint. <laughs> well, that's a tough life there. <laughs> yeah, so I love uh, it. I love it. But I'm down in Boston pretty much every week or two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stuff to do. There. Yeah. All right. What's your coolest new tools or supplies? Anything? Uh, I'm not a real big supply guy. I think you can make paintings with anything. You know, oh, yeah. I don't really care about that. I just uh, I have my palette that I use, which is pretty much the Boston School mm -hmm. uh, palettes. You know, basically you need a a warm and a cool of each color, yeah. and, uh, and then a few other colors added on there, and uh, some brushes, some canvas, Love and it. off you go. Love it. And of course, uh, a palette knife now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I we we tend to trick ourselves into thinking we need. I just if I just had this or that, then I could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, over the years, I have added a few colors to mm -hmm. my to my palette, but. Um, and, you know, the Boston School really encouraged good craftsmanship. So mm -hmm. I make all my paintings to last for, you know, generations. Mm -hmm. I paint on really good linen, Clausen's linen. And mm -hmm. uh, I use paints that aren't going to change over years. And uh, very little medium. I mostly just use uh, a little bit of tarps at the beginning and, and just the paint. Okay. Uh, yep. Uh, nice. So. And what is your best advice for beginners? Um, look at great paintings mm. and learn how to draw. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very important to be able to draw properly and make your life a lot easier. Right. I actually, you know, I did some cast drawings, which is where, where you really learn how to draw. But I wasn't as crazy as some of these guys who spend, you know, months and months on a cast drawing. And I, you know, I respect them for, for really, you know, studying it through. But I didn't have the patience. I wanted to go outside and paint or whatever. And, yeah. I'm not as good a draftsman as uh, a lot of my peers. Right. So it's been a struggle, and I've regretted not being that good. But but I, I can I can draw. Mm -hmm. But and uh, what do you how do you recommend people do that as beginners, like online or take a class? No, I wouldn't do it online. I would uh, I would get somebody to show you uh, how to set up a very simple setup, either a cast mm -hmm. that's strongly lit from one side, so is it clear separation of lights and darks mm -hmm. um, and what what I have a couple of students in my school in my studio in fact I'm looking for one more right now I've mm -hmm. got an opening if anybody's right. interested 
uh, and I'm basically teaching them how to see the difference between the lights and the shadows. And you want to keep the shadows very flat. And most of the information is in the halftone that separates the lights from the darks. Hmm. And being able to model that really well yeah, is what, <laughs> yeah, that's where you really have learn how to see. Wow. And, um, so, uh, so if someone comes to you as a, um, a studio student, what does that look like? And, and what do you I've got some casts set up in my studio okay. with their own little kind of area. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in this case, it's Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Uh, and they come and they draw okay. for three hours, twice a week. Okay. And But we're talking about painting. We're learning how to see yeah. uh, in general. So that carries over into painting very easily okay. once you can start to see form and shape right right um and then um and this is in a small group setting yeah okay. i only have three students okay and uh so you want if you really want to learn how to draw you need somebody to guide you and you can set it up at your own studio at home mm -hmm. um and, but it's helpful to have somebody help you set yeah. that up so it's uh, and we do this uh side size too so okay. The first time you learn side size, it's really helpful to have somebody guide you in setting it up because it's all about the setup. Because yeah. if you set it up uh, carefully and well, it'll yeah. become very easy. I see. So, uh, and that's the backing up eight feet and going forward. Is that yeah, it's not necessarily eight feet. It's three times the width of the. Oh. You want to be able to take both oh, into into account without moving your head and without. Okay. Uh, very easily just flash your eyes back and forth so you can compare the two worlds, the world of the paper and the world of the, the actual life, right. the setup. Uh, so I, I would say, you know, learning how to draw is very important. Um, and uh, that's one way to do it. The other way is to set up a still life and, you know, try to interpret that. Mm -hmm. We don't call it copying. I mean, it's not copying nature. You're really just interpreting nature. Uh, you're trying to give an impression of it in, mm -hmm. in charcoal or in paint. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, all the teachers I've ever had have always emphasized drawing. Yeah. Drawing, drawing, drawing. So do you in, then go into painting eventually with the same? Yep. Going to go into still life next. Okay, and uh, we're always painting outside when we can. Nice. Yeah. Wonderful. And what, what's the hours on that? Tuesday and Right Thursday. now it's... Tuesdays and Thursdays, 6 to 9 p.m. 6 to 9, okay. All right. Looking for one good student <laughs> or bad student. We'll take you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, beginner is okay. <laughs> All right. And your upcoming plans, um, mentioned you're going to start back into painting still lives. I am. I'm going to start. I'm in a couple of shows this summer. One of them is still life show. Okay. <clears throat> so. It's uh, a good gonna, reason to start painting. Yeah, I've got to get cracking. Summer's coming. <laughs> but actually, I've missed it. And uh, yeah, it's still life painting. You have a lot of control. Yeah. You know, you can control the environment. You can control the setup, the design, the lighting, everything. Uh, so it's actually quite quicker, quick and easier. Do you ever use photos for anything? Uh, certainly not for still life. Hmm. I sometimes use photos for reference for landscapes, but I never copy a photo. Okay. Um, I, I just use it for like a topographical reference sometimes, but but less and less all the time. Yeah. I, I mostly just use my memory and my imagination. Mm. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I can pretty much make up a scene, mm -hmm. you know, just from my mm -hmm. uh, experience. Mm -hmm. uh, but okay. usually I use studies, you know, little color studies. And what about commissions? What kind of things do people commission you for? Right now, if you were to walk into my studio, you'd see a huge canvas. It's 48 by 60. It's a commission I'm doing for a guy, a Harvard Oarsman. And uh, he, I'm doing a painting that I actually did years ago, probably uh -huh. 20 years ago. Uh -huh. And he happened to run into it on the internet. Wow. And it was a painting of uh, the Newell Boathouse, which is the Harvard Men's Boathouse on the Charles River. Yeah. And I did it from life. I stood across on the opposite bank. I painted the water and some rowers and the, and the building in the distance. And uh, so I'm doing a sort of a huge recreation of that. I'm changing it a bit, but basically I'm blowing up my own painting. Right. So wow. 
It's kind of unusual. I don't usually do that, but very exciting. Anything else you want to share? Um, nice. I have a. I do have to ask you about social media. We got to hit that too. Okay. How much do you love it or hate it? Oh, I want to say something about the community up here. Yeah. Uh, I've been here for seven years, and I'm uh, and I've joined. I think uh, two years ago or three years ago, I was asked to be in Benita Gallery. Yeah. And so since then, I've started to meet a lot of the local painters and it's I just want to say that it's a great group of uh, artists up here in Portsmouth and I'm you know trying to work my way into the community a bit and, mm -hmm. and hang out with folks up here a little bit more yeah so I don't feel so isolated down in Hampton it's a great place yeah. yeah it's good and Hampton's just a skip down the road oh it's great it's also one of the best drives if you take oh, the yeah. coastal route yeah, it's yeah, just absolutely. the best drive absolutely yeah. I try and do that a couple times a week have lunch. I actually took a nap there yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I went down in your to car. Take, yeah, I went to take a walk, and I realized I left my outer jacket and my hat, and it was just too windy. I couldn't do it. So yeah. I took a nap instead. Yeah, it's windy today too. The waves are kind of building. We might have some waves tomorrow. Yeah. For surfing. Ah, and you go out. Oh, yeah. crazy, crazy. So, um, social media. You posted a video this morning, in fact, of the ocean. Was that from this morning? That was from this morning. That okay. was just. Uh, so you do. We live right there on Ocean Boulevard, and uh, so I just walk across the street and uh, wow. you know, take a little video and post it just for, for kicks. Yeah. But mostly I, I post paintings. Yeah, right. So do you use more Instagram or Facebook? or Both Instagram, yeah. okay. Sam Vokey Art, and I think Facebook Sam Vokey Art too. Okay, great. Yeah. And it's V-O-K-E-Y, and that's right. your website, samvokey.com. Yes. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you so much. It was well worth thank you, Laura. chasing after you for a year. <laughs> well, I've been wanting to do it. And, I know, uh, I know. Uh, it hasn't always been your schedule either. So. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. you got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.